Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Life today is kind of a lot. It forces us to always be on. But every now and then, it's important to just stop, crack open a mountain cold Coors Light, and chill. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's made to chill, Coors Light. Coors Light is brewed with a three-step cold process, cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. The mountains on Coors Light cold activated bottles and cans turn blue when chilled to perfection. This weekend is the conference title games for just about every conference. Non-stop great college football all day and night. It's the perfect time to make sure your refrigerator is stocked with the mountain cold refreshment of Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. If life's pace is wearing you down, make sure that you take a moment, pause, and refresh yourself with a cold Coors Light. You can even have Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Go to get.coorslight.com and find local delivery options. Coors Light, made to chill. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Texas fans. This is the Longhorn Confidential for Wednesday, December 16th. I'm Danny Davis, the Austin American Statesman. As always, I'm joined by Mike Craven. A probably sleepy Mike Craven since it's signing day. This guy has been working since the crack of dawn. I know Mike's not usually a, a morning guy. So, Mike, how, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. I actually helped cure my insomnia a little bit in 2020. Um, so this has been the uh, easiest easiest go for it uh, on National Signing Day that I've, I think I've ever experienced in 13 years of doing this. There you go. Now, you're not a coffee guy, are you? I'm not a coffee guy, but I got uh, 32 ounces of Dr. Pepper here and a, a QT Big Q, so uh, we're rolling. Not a coffee, not a coffee guy, but a true Texan, I, I suppose, with that Dr. Pepper. Um, yep. Mike, as we said, the early signing day kicked off today. Today's the first day of that period. Uh, Texas added 19 names to its roster um, throughout throughout the day. We're going to go through these signings position by position, but before we do that, why don't you just give us your overall thoughts on this class of 2021? Um, Maybe not the most high profile of the classes that Tom Herman has signed. Um, going to be outside the top 15, more, more than likely when it's all said and done. But just what are your kind of overall thoughts on this class? Yeah, I, I think defensively, Texas did a, a really good job. You know, Jatavion Sanders ends up on defense, eight of their top – or the eight highest rated players in this class are projected to play defense. So I think the defensive side did really well. Chris Ash uh, did well. Uh, offensively, it lacks a lot of playmakers. It wasn't. Uh, a success along the offensive line. They probably should have done better there. But I, I do think rankings can kind of muddy the waters a little bit. You know, not, you know, you look back on classes and they're never 100% hits or anything. So you're just looking for, you know, eight, nine, 10 players from each class to really be impact guys. I think there's eight, nine, 10 players in this class that can be really good. A couple of them could be, you know, all conference early round NFL guys. So um, as long as the rest of the team's playing well and as long as they can win some games next year and get a good recruit, recruiting class behind it, 
I don't see it as a, a, a big-time deal for Texas because they have two new offensive coordinators in there, first-year offensive coordinators in there, that never really got to host recruits. You know, this, this was a bad year uh, to have first-year coordinators that are new to the state. Um, they just did not have the ties around the state, and they couldn't go out on the road and make them. And so for a lot of reasons, the, the record on the field, the uncertainty around Tom Herman's future, and the inability to get guys on campus or to get to their campus with new coaches, I think really hindered uh, this class and made it worse than it probably would have been otherwise. We're going to start breaking these uh, signings down by position. We're going to start with the glamour position. Um, Football revolves around the quarterback uh, position, and Texas uh, got a fine young quarterback in Charles Wright from Austin Hyde just up the road. Three-star commit, he was um, or three-star recruit, he was at one point committed to Iowa State. So I guess that's a, a victory over the Cyclones that the Longhorns actually did get in 2020. Um, what are your overall thoughts about how Texas did at the quarterback position? They did have at one point um, Jalen Milrow, the fine quarterback from the in the Katy area, who ended up flipping in, going to Alabama. Um, but overall, how did you think they did with um, signing Charles? Yeah, I mean, this could be proximity bias, but I, I am higher on Charles Wright than most. Uh, he's not a finished product at all. He needs to get into the weight room and get stronger, but that's true for most uh, high school recruits, but especially at quarterback. I think he fits what the offense wants to do under Mike Yurchich. You know, he's, it's not – as much a mobile quarterback uh, threatened with your legs as it was maybe previously. I think they're going to be in the pocket, run more RPOs, try to get vertical down the field. Charles Wright's a really accurate quarterback. I think he's more accurate than Jalen Milrow was. Um, and so if you can build on that, build his strength, kind of build his arm strength up, now the guy I would probably point to is probably Colt McCoy. I don't know if he's that athletic. Um, but, you know, Colt McCoy was a three-star guy who kind of came, you know, Jim Ned, you know, wasn't a highly recruited dude who was – not thought of of being a great quarterback. Texas fans kind of thought he was just going to be a career backup, and they ended up being really good. I think that's the uh, the direction that Charles Wright wants to move, and he'll be given a year or two to kind of to get stronger and, and to get better at some of the things he's not good at before really competing for a job. So that kind of feeds into my next question. Um, Sam is more than likely not going to be back at Texas next year. I think that's the assumption that everyone has, although he has not made his – official announcement. Um, Jaquindon Jackson, the big news this week was he's entered the transfer portal. Who knows what, exactly what that means, but let's assume that um, Jaquindon decides to transfer out and find a, find a new home. Um, can Charles com compete with immediate reps? I'm not sure if he's enrolling early or not. Can he compete for immediate reps with Hudson Card, who's been on campus for a year, and Casey Thompson, who's obviously, this will be his fourth year in, in 2021. Or is he a project that's going to take a couple years and maybe we'll see him um, you know, in 2022, 2023, competing for that starting job. Now, with Jaquindon gone, he's going to get a lot more snaps. He will enroll early. Most quarterbacks do nowadays. So, I mean, he will in spring practice um, get those reps behind Casey, behind Hudson, whereas as a fourth string, you know, maybe you get um, not very many reps at all there in that situation. So, for him, I think it helps. But, yeah, I don't – you know, Casey's been in the program for a long time. Hudson – uh, has been in, a pro in the program for a year, and it was probably a better prospect coming out of high school anyway. So you know, I, I don't think there's much uh, chance for him to really uh, make a move in that quarterback room as a true freshman. But, of course, you know, we've seen injuries and stuff. You know, weird things happen, so he needs to be ready uh, now that there's one less quarterback on the roster. But uh, my money would be on Casey being the starter, Hudson kind of being right there competing for it, and with Charles kind of just doing some scouts, scout team stuff behind the scenes. 
All right, let's move over to the backfield. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, Hallettsville, three-star um, recruit. I don't know, Mike, but the season he's had, he may be uh, – I don't know how much you're going to raise him um, in year fat 55. Or, you know, I don't know if he deserves to be a four-star, but he's had a great season for Hallettsville this season. How much has his stock risen this season? Over 3,000 rushing yards, 60 touchdowns. He's going to be playing for a state championship this week. Just an incredible season, albeit against, you know, not the stiffest of competition, but still, those numbers are those numbers. Um, how much has his stock risen th- this season? Yeah, I mean, I think most people who have seen him in person uh, point to him as a, as a four-star guy pretty easily, especially when you add in the statistics and just how dominant he's been. He's Like you mentioned, the reason he's not, and it's because he plays small-town football in a place that's not near a big city. And those are the guys that got hurt this year without the, you know, without the opening and without the Under Armour camps and stuff. You know, us scouting guys didn't get to see them in Houston and Dallas go against, you know, other four-star potential five-star guys. So I just think he gets underrated because he's playing um, not near a Metroplex and because he's not playing uh, major classification football. But you can't argue with the production. I mean, it doesn't even feel real. Like when you're writing it out in a story, you know, you almost want to put a little note that's like, this is actually the numbers. This is not a typo because it does feel like you accidentally – you know, push the wrong number on your keyboard and push publish because it's it just, it's video game type stuff. Um, Jonathan was not the only running back that Texas um, was after. They were, you know, very hot on LJ Johnson um, for, from Cy Fair, a four-star uh, recruit. Where does Texas kind of stand with him? I don't believe he has signed yet as we, as we take this uh, podcast. Where is Texas, is he going to sign in this early signing period? And is Texas part of that group that's he's, that he's still looking at? No, LJ is going to uh, sign in February, and that's going to give Texas, a, a, you know, more of an opportunity to land him. I think if he had to sign today, A&M would be the leader. But, you know, Texas uh, has done a really good job recruiting running backs over the last three or four years with Stan Drayton. He's right there with them. You know, Stan Drayton's talking to LJ all the time. LJ and Bajon Robinson uh, talk sometimes and stuff. So um, Texas is still going to fight it out with, with A&M for that one. They're, they really want to get his signature, and they have a chance to. Um, in February, it's just tough for everybody right now because you can't get them onto campus. It's just hard to get honest reads on what what is happening and who you know who's kind of leading. Let's move over to the pass catchers, although running backs obviously catch passes, but the people we kind of you know associate with pass catching, the receivers and the tight ends for Longhorns in this group: uh, Jaden Alexis from Monarch High School in Florida, Casey Kane uh, from Warren Easton High School in New Orleans. Uh, the two tight ends are Gunnar Helm from Cherry Creek High in Colorado and Juan Davis from Everman here in the state of Texas. So that's four, four recruits, three out of state. Jaden is the four-star in that group. The others are three stars. What is your impressions of these two receivers and these two tight ends? Are, and are any of these – any people in this quartet, are they immediate contributors or is this going to be kind of a let's uh, wait to get these kids on campus and see what, what they do? Uh, well, let's start at tight end first because I think maybe that would be closest to contributing early. Um, you know, Gunnar Helm's a guy who can can really catch the football. He can run routes. He's big enough to play early on. Um, he's physically as ready as you can almost be, you know, at that age. Of course, he has some ways to go. But uh, I think, you know, with if Cade Brewer's gone, uh, Texas is going to need a little bit more depth of tight end. There's there's snaps to be had there. It's not like we know much about Braden Lybrock. Uh, Malcolm Epps didn't play all that much this year. So behind Jared Wiley, if Brewer's gone, 
there's some snaps there. I think Gunnar Helm would be probably the, the one closest to ready there. Juan Davis, the other tight end, listed as an athlete throughout the recruiting cycle, has played quarterback, has played wide receiver, has played tight end. I think he's even played some running back. So he will benefit from getting on campus and really learning a position. The fact that he hasn't played tight end really for a consistent basis in his life leads me to believe he's going to need a year or two to figure that out. And then at wide receiver, you know, it, it's a harder position to play early than people realize because of all the option routes. You know, you need to learn, you know, these guys run routes and there's, it's not just they're running a post. There's like two or three things that they could run on any given play based on where the corners and the safeties are as they're running the routes. There's a lot of nuance there. And then also you need to be a willing and able blocker on the edge, which is not usually a strong suit for prep wide receivers who have never been asked to do that. So, with Texas returning a bunch of wide receivers, I don't see Jaden or, or Casey really playing early. Both of those guys are, are speedsters that Texas feels like uh, they did a good job of recruiting and finding. They would argue that they're you know, four-star talents that just aren't listed that way. And maybe they're right. Again, this year is going to be one of those years where you know, coaches are going to have to trust their evaluations much more than the rankings because you know, nobody got to see them in person, including you know, media guys, including coaches. Let's head down to the trenches where we have two uh, signings. Um, first, Katie Taylor, three-star lineman Hayden Connor, who has seemingly been committed te to Texas for the last uh, two decades. And Max Farrell, a three-star from straight Je Jesuit. Now, Texas doesn't usually play um, true freshmen on the offensive line. They did this year because of Jake, you know, Jake Majors had to play because of injuries. And um, Andres Carrick also played. And Derek Kerstetter did a few years ago when he was a true freshman um, uh, started, I think, 10 games at right tackle. So it, it does happen, but it's not common. So um, with that in mind, what is the best-case scenario with Hayden and Max? Yeah, I think their best-case scenario is to, to follow the, the projection of like a Samuel Cosme or a Derek Kerstetter, Kerstetter who I, I think both overachieved their rankings. Kerstetter played a lot early. I, I think he played as a true freshman some for Texas. And then, uh, you know, Cosme now, who's about to be, you know, first or second-round draft pick at the worst. Um, so offensive line is the hardest position to grade as a, uh, as a recruiting writer. You know, I think even the guys up top at 24 seven and rivals would admit uh, if, if there's a position where the lack of confidence is not great, uh, it's that one. And it's because there's so many variables, you're, you're bigger and stronger than everybody you're playing against. So it's not like you get a feel for kind of who's dominant in that way. And then you're still growing. You got baby fat that needs to turn into muscle. There's just, there's just so much going on that I wouldn't get too tied up in the rankings there. I think Max Merrill could be a guy who really surprises people. Hayden Connor has been playing varsity football at the 6A level and Katie since he was a freshman. So both of those guys are really good football players. They're going to come in and uh, hopefully provide some depth early and then de to develop into guys that may start down the road. It it's hard to see either one uh, really playing as a true freshman because usually if you are playing offensive lineman as a true freshman, that's a, a bad sign for your current roster. Now, Mike, you went out to House Park this afternoon for a signing ceremony. The Austin High Maroons were, were doing their thing, so obviously Charles Wright was out there. Uh, you got to talk to him a little bit after he signed on the dotted line. Um, I guess technically he signed on the dotted line this morning, but this was the ceremonial signing. Uh, let's hear what Charles had to say about becoming a longboard. Uh, here with Charles Wright and his uh, awesome Air Force Ones. <laughs> if I go back to when you're four, five, six years old, right, and tell you, okay, this day's coming, you know, kind of what's your reaction and did it live up to, to those expectations? At four or five, I'd probably go crazy. I'm um, not going to lie to you. Um, 
I mean, I've said this time and time again, I'm just truly blessed to be in this situation. Um, but yeah, I mean, when I was four or five years old, it was just, it was Texas, Texas, Texas. Um, you know, it's, it's, I've, I've said it, but, um, you know, that's what my life was. And, um, you know, there's a lot more to my life than just Texas, obviously, but, um, it was a big part of it. So how good does it feel to kind of have it out of the way and, you know, kind of move on to that next chapter here in just a couple weeks it's an amazing feeling i'm i'm really ready for you know january 16th it's gonna be a challenge it's gonna be hard but um i'm really looking forward to it. it's gonna be a great opportunity what are your expectations early what do you think of this offense and kind of what it's going to be moving forward in, in year two it's explosive um you know i think not only from the defensive side with coach ash but also with coach Yershish, it took a little bit of time for all the players to truly not not buy in i think everyone was bought in but to truly understand it and execute it well so you know i think each year it's just going to keep getting better um it's really explosive they can put points up so i'm excited and our last one for me um, i know you talked to them about it kind of i know behind the scenes it wasn't as easy a decision as a lot of people thought it was to just yeah. flip from iowa state to texas but at the end of the day what were those couple of factors that that made it you know the thing you needed to do you know, it, it was tough because I had a really good relationship with all those coaches. Um, you know, I would talk to them probably every day. Um, you know, I, I just for like things that I needed to to ask them about life and questions like that. It, they were very helpful for me. So um, it was tough, but at the end of the day, being close to home was a big part for me. Um, you know, I didn't think this opportunity would be available after um, you know the quarterback commits. Um, all that happened, and then a few things unfolded, and I was I was grateful to get the opportunity. Um, and so I think just having that really that chance to play here was was huge for me so i wanted to get on board oh, i have i lied i do have another question um what advice would you give to maybe yourself when you were younger to recruits coming up on the kind of how to handle the ups and downs of this and just kind of get through the process always believe in yourself um anything's possible uh, there's, there's a lot of people that will doubt you um and and they don't believe in you but i, I think what's what's the important thing is staying true to yourself and um, not ever giving up. Um, like I said, anything's possible. Um, and just work. Uh, you can't you can't lie about that. When, on Friday nights, on Saturdays, it's going to show. Um, just do everything you can to, to pursue your dreams. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. thank you all for coming. Now, Mike, uh, let's focus on the defense now. We've been going p- position by position, and we're going to continue doing that. But I kind of think Jatavian Sanders kind of deserves a position by himself. Um, He's a five-star signing out of Denton Ryan, the you know highest-rated recruit in this class of 2021 for Texas. How important of a signing was this for Texas in this 2021 recruiting class? I mean, I think it's huge. If not for Jatavion Sanders signing today, Texas wouldn't have signed a top 150 recruit nationally. I mean, that's that's pretty crazy to think about uh, for a program that recruits you know heavily, uh, really well every single year. So. I think he was huge. It helped the perception of this class. It at least kind of gave them a, a headliner uh, to build around. He's a freak, man. I mean, he really is a unicorn. He can play wide receiver at 220 pounds. He can play wide receiver to the point that I'm not convinced he's actually a defensive end. I, I mean, I, I'm convinced he could play defensive end, and probably if I was you know, playing a video game and could pick, that's where I would put him. Uh, but he's a human being that gets to decide where he wants to play football. And if you ask him – I don't know if he wants to play defensive end. Like, I think he may end up playing wide receiver at least early in his career until uh, he physically develops a little bit more. Um, so to answer your question, a huge uh, commitment for Texas, huge perception-wise for this class, and a guy who um, you know, could play on either side of the football at a pretty high level.
do you think, you know, in your you know, professional opinion that we could see him play both sides of the football or is that just too much of an ask in the college football, especially at the level that Texas plays at? Does he need to pick one or the other, maybe, you know, get a couple of you know, gadget plays here or there? Is it too much to be like, you know, he's going to be playing on the defensive line and running routes? I think it's too much to ask if he's more of a re- receiver. You know, you're not going to find some snaps for a guy to just go rush the passer if he's practicing running routes all week. Uh, but if he, sl- if he does slide to defensive end, where I think most people believe his, high- his upside is at the highest, I do think there's a, a possibility you see uh, him on, like, the goal line running the fades or something like that. I mean, everybody's seen that viral one-hand catch that he's made. Uh, he's a bully out there. He's too big for cornerbacks. He's too get big for safeties, and he's too fast for, for everybody else on the field. So I think it may be like a Deshaun Jameson-type situation where he comes in and he plays some offense because that's an easier way to get on the field. Just physically, it's easier to play on that side of the ball than it is to take on you know 330-pound you know, grown men that can drink and stuff, and you're still a teenager. Um, but I would not be surprised if we see him on – both sides of the football in his career. I just don't know if he gets to the point where we're seeing him on both sides of the football in the exact same game. Now, if uh, Jatavian ends up on the defensive line, he'll have some company in this uh, 2021 class. Uh, Texas also on Wednesday signed New Caney four-star Derek Harris Jr., Port Arthur Memorial four-star Jordan Thomas, DeSoto three-star um, Byron Murphy II, who was a late flip, a defensive tackle, and then there's Holy Cross uh, three-star Baron Sorrells from New Orleans who committed to Texas on signing day. So kind of a nice little late surprise uh, for the Longhorns. What stands out about, about this bunch? I think they're really hard playing defensive linemen. And I know that may sound like a cliche or whatever, but when you're watching big boys play, the big defensive linemen play, the one thing that always sticks out is, you know, they don't always play their hardest because they're just big dudes that have not learned how to play that many snaps that hard yet. Jordan Thomas is, is just a dog, man. He's just a guy who, like, lives for it and really plays hard. Uh, Byron Murphy, same type, of, uh, same type of deal, just a really hard-playing guy who actually used to be a linebacker and is still gr- growing and is really agile for his size. Um, Derek Harris was, was injured. Um, as a senior, so we haven't seen him in a while, but he's a really good edge rusher who's played some outside linebacker and defensive end. I don't know as much about Baron Sorrell, obviously. Uh, Out-of-state guy, this cycle's been weird, haven't been able to travel as much and stuff because of the COVID thing. So uh, from watching him on film, I think Malcolm Roach would probably be a pretty good comparison. Uh, 6'3", 250 pounds, maybe uh, not the fastest defensive end in the world, maybe not the biggest defensive tackle in the world. So maybe – plays a little bit of defensive end like a Moro, a Jomo, uh, something like that where he can have a little bit of positional versatility. So if there's a guy on this coaching staff that gets it done year in, year out, Oscar Giles is hard to beat. I mean, if you look up and down that defensive line roster, he's done a really good job, not only recruiting talent, but developing them. And it just shows how much these prospects trust the defensive staff so far more than the offensive staff and how much kind of higher profile guys are along that defensive line and throughout the defense uh, than there is on, on the offensive side of the ball. The defensive side is, is where, you know, the high end talent, at least on paper is in this 2021 cycle. Let's talk a little linebacker. Um, we got Shadow Creek four-star Terrence Cook, Arlington Martin four-star Maurice Blackwell. They're both now Longhorns. Uh, Mike, we've talked before in this podcast about, you know, how hard it is to recruit linebackers in high school now, just kind of how that position has 
changed, especially at the high school level. So my question is, Terrence and Maurice, are they true high school linebackers? Or are they those, you know, they play defensive end or they play safety um, for their high school teams and Texas is going to mold them into the linebacker that they want once they get to campus? Uh, Cooks is every bit of linebacker, plays linebacker in, in a, a 4-2-5 system that's pretty similar to what he'll be asked to play at, at Texas. So he's a guy at Shadow Creek who's played in a, a state championship game, has played really good 6A competition this year at linebacker and, and should be able to slide in there pretty comfortably. Um, Maurice Blackwell, kind of the same until this year. He's played more safety and stuff this year, but I, I think that's more – uh, because of where they needed him. They have a young linebacker that Texas has actually offered in the 2023 class. Um, and so he will need to adjust a little bit. He's under 200 pounds. I think 196 is where he's listed. But like you mentioned, that's where linebackers going. You'd rather have a 190, 100, 200 pound uh, linebacker that's played some safety that you can add weight to a la DeMarvion Overshone rather than a 230, 240 linebacker that you have to teach how to cover and to move his feet. That's just how that position is moving. I think Texas, if they, if they knocked a position out of the park, it's probably linebacker. He, Cooks is, is, a, is a favorite of mine. I've always been high, been high on his upside. Uh, Maurice Blackwell is the model of production. Um, and then Derek Harris is projected to be a defensive end. He played a lot of outside linebacker. Um, in high school as well. So I think all three of those guys are really good football players that Texas can be happy about kind of adding to the mix there at a position that if you get past the starters has a lot of unproven talent. Let's uh, kind of cap this defensive uh, breakdown by going to the secondary um, at safety, Texas signed Kennedy four-star JD coffee at cornerback. They have Jameer Johnson, a California four-star prospect. And then, McNeese State graduate transfer Darian Dunn announced on Wednesday that he's going to become a Longhorn. He had been committed to um, go to North Carolina State, but the all-conference cornerback uh, will be a Longhorn instead. Um, first question, Chris Ash, the defensive coordinator, he coaches safety. So can we assume that J.D. Coffey, that's what he wants a safety to look like? Because I'm sure, you know, of all the positions on this, on this defense, Chris Ash, that's the one he knows the most about. Yeah, I mean, J.D. Coffey is a, is a football-playing dude. You know, he's four years on varsity at a pretty good program there in Kennedale at the 4A level. Uh, he was all-state, actually, as a, as a freshman, which is pretty impressive playing against guys who are you know, 17, 18 years old when you're only 15, 14. Uh, can get to the ball, you know, can do a lot of things. And I think that's what stand, stands out to me most about J.D. Coffey is He's not necessarily a free safety or a strong safety. I believe you could play both, and that's harder and harder to find. Good in coverage, good tackler. Um, so, yeah, at the safety position, I think Coach Ash has to be pretty happy with that first guy he signed there um, because J.D. is one of those guys that you know almost everybody in the nation was after and is a national two, top 200 uh, prospect that isn't just uh, potential. We've seen it from him for multiple years. He may be a guy who comes in and, and competes for – at least a spot in the two deep as a true freshman because of Chris Brown and Caden Stearns being gone. Now, I would assume that Darian Dunn is coming in to contribute right away. That's why he's a graduate transfer. They don't, graduate transfers don't usually come just to, just to chill. But uh, Jameer Johnson, he'll be a freshman. He may not need to play right away because, you know, Josh Thompson will be back next year. We don't yet know about Sean Jamison, Jalen Green, but Texas should have some depth at cornerback. But down the road, what should Texas fans expect from Jameer? He's long. He's athletic. You know, he's only 170 pounds, so he needs to add some weight. 
He also did not play as a senior because California did not have high school football um, this year because of COVID. So he's got some rust and knocked off. He's going to be an early enrollee, though. Um, so that may give him an advantage to get some snaps. Beyond that group that you mentioned, if you get past the seniors to be, um, Texas is pretty thin at corner. We don't really know much about Kenyatta Watson transferred. There's like Keaton Crawford and, and you know, Jade Barron, and that's about it. So he's going to come in and be able to compete with that next group of guys and kind of set himself up uh, to play a lot of snaps as a redshirt freshman or a sophomore when Texas, you know, at least on paper, would then need that next group of guys to really step up. And we'll wrap up our, our breakdowns with uh, at the punter position, a pro kick Australia punter, three-star recruit Isaac Pearson. Um, Mike, I'm assuming you did not get to go out to Australia to see Isaac uh, – Isaac Punt or practice or do anything like that. But Texas seems to have a pretty good relationship with this pro kick program. Um, should Texas fans feel pretty confident that Isaac can get the job done? Yeah, third consecutive punter um, there from, from pro kick Australia. I could not find the money in the budget to get out uh, to Australia, unfortunately, especially, especially during this year. Um, Isaac is always going to be a favorite of mine because he calls me mate every single time uh, I do an interview with him. He's a grown adult. He's like 22 years old. He's worked in the mining, in a mining field before and stuff. So he comes with a lot of life experience. I don't know if uh, kicking in front of people will be the, the hardest thing he's ever done. So that's always good, I would imagine, for a position that's, from what he says, a lot more mental than it is physical. Um, so hasn't played a lot of American football. I'm sure it'll be an adjustment for him. But I think he gets a, a year to kind of to sit behind Ryan and kind of learn that. And that's a familiar face for them. They'll have a lot in common, a lot to talk about. So I'm sure that makes it a little bit easier when you fly across the world to come play a sport you're not over familiar with to be in a room with somebody who's also gone through that. Before we wrap up our signing day podcast, let's do some news and notes. Um, Texas did lose a commitment um, this past weekend from three-star offensive lineman Michael McClinsky, who said, you know, Texas is still in his, you know, on his radar, but he wants to wait until February to sign. Then also, on a serious note, four-star quarterback Ishmael Ibrahim did not sign on Wednesday. Um, do you have any updates on their statuses? Yeah, you know, uh, I would think uh, – well, first, we'll go with Ms. Linsky. Uh, Michigan State, I believe, is the leader. I have not seen him sign there today. So, I, you know, maybe uh, Texas can get back in there and get him back in the class um, by February if he waits. But, you know, usually once a kid de decommits, it, it's rare that they get back on board. It's a lot like uh, – uh, marriage, you know, once you have a divorce, you're rarely getting all the way back together on that one. Um, and then, you know, in terms of ish, you know, I don't know how to put that. So, I mean, I, I've gone through my own stuff like this before, you know, and I, I'm always going to lean on the second chances uh, train here with young people. It sounds like it was more of a bad, bad decision of who he was hanging out with. Um, and so, you know, I think Texas will do their due diligence behind the scenes. They're probably already done that. They've probably been in uh, contact with all of that with the uh, coaches up there and with you know people that know about the situation the whole time um, so you know I think they're, they're kind of in a wait and see pattern to see what at, he's actually charged with and what you know kind of comes of this uh, before taking his um, signature I wouldn't be surprised though if they let him sign you know if this kind of gets knocked down to, to some small to some small stuff and it was just he was in you know a place he shouldn't have been um, you know I, I think these coaches can understand that in a teenager and give them a second chance. And you know, hopefully he runs with it for him. It'll be up to him, I guess now 
um, to see how he handles this adversity. He's got to figure out kind of who he is and if this is going to define him. And if not, you know, I think he could put it in his past and just kind of go forward and, and be the football player a lot of people think he can be. Now, there are two days left in this early signing period. Then there's also the lead-up to the February um, signing period. Is Texas done with its class of 2021, or will they still keep recruiting? You mentioned LJ Johnson earlier. Um, last year, uh, Texas got two signings um, in that second wave, including Alfred, Alfred Collins, the fine uh, defensive tackle. Do you expect Texas to still make some noise, or are they going to start focusing on 2022? Yeah, LJ Johnson's the big name to, to watch there. JoJo Earl from Alito, slot receiver, uh, close with Jonathan Gray, so there's a little bit of Texas ties. He's committed to LSU. Uh, Texas will use that opportunity that he, he's not going to sign with LSU right now. He's going to wait till February. So Texas will use that opportunity uh, to get with him and try to keep uh, recruiting him a little bit. Uh, but from there, you know, I think it really goes to the portal. You know, there's some spots on this roster Texas is going to want to, you know, fill right away before getting into 2022. Some of that will depend on the senior's decision. Like if Kerstetter comes back, maybe they won't use one for offensive line, Tariq Black. You know, maybe they won't use one at wide receiver. Um, so uh, a lot to be determined there, but I would imagine more of the action between now and the start of the season would be on the, the portal and the grad transfers more so than high school recruits. Most, most kids are going to sign today or, you know, by Friday. So that'll just kind of leave some leftovers that maybe they jump into. You know, there was a Moro Ajomo a couple years ago, he, he kind of burst onto the scene after the early signing period. Uh, Jalen Ford last year didn't really even have an official offer from Texas until Friday of the early signing period and then, like, signed that day. So uh, there definitely could be some stuff behind the scenes going on. Uh, but I think they will spend most of their time uh, getting some guys who can come in and contribute right away and then use those scholarships for 2022, which they hope will have a class with a little bit more momentum than they were able to build in this one. Now, like we said, we still have until February, but, you know, for you, um, your fellow recruiting writers, it's almost time for you guys to turn the page and start, you know, solely covering the class of 2022. Um, do you have any last thoughts on this, covering this class? Because, I mean, I think one of the cool things about your job is you get to see a lot of these, you know, recruits go from kids to grown men. You see them as sophomores and see them grow to 18-year-olds who are ready to go conquer the world. So do you have any last thoughts on covering this class before we start focusing on 2022? Yeah, I mean, I believe that this class deserves all of our respect and understanding. Um, this has been a, a hard year to be a recruit. Imagine making a decision like this as a teenager. Now imagine making that decision without being able to, to go and have firsthand experience um, to meet the coaches, to, to see the campus, to even go to the city. Like Andrew Makuba, uh, the Austin LBJ safety, just signed with Clemson. He's never been to Clemson, South Carolina, you know, ever in his life. He's never even been there, you know. And so uh, I think we're going to see the portal um, be a huge thing here in a couple of years. I mean, it's already a big part of college football life, but I think it's going to grow even more because there's a lot of players today that sign with schools that they don't know a ton about. And there's a lot of schools today that sign players that they don't know a ton about. So um, this class is going to be maybe the weirdest one ever to follow. I think there's still a lot of stories to be told from it. And it's just one of those unfortunate situations where, you know, quite literally a, a pandemic came in between their experience and their ability to go through this process in a normal way. And it's going to have some fallout on all sides over the next few years. 
All right, we're going to wrap it up. You have uh, more work to do. You're still writing. You're doing things throughout the day. So I'll let you get to that. Be sure to check out all of Mike's work um, through you know throughout this day. How many words do you think you wrote today, Mike? Oh, man. Uh, we're at 20 articles published right now. This is my third uh, podcast hit for the Statesman, I believe. Um, got state championship games. I got to be at a state championship game tonight uh, to write that story. Uh, Jonathan Brooks tomorrow. So yeah, man, it's uh, it'd probably be over 10,000 words by the time. Oh, I got to do USA Today stuff, Big 12 rankings and the national rankings. So yeah, I may get to 10,000 words today. I don't know. Well, hopefully you can get to 10,000 minutes of sleep. I, I don't know what that equates out to, but hopefully you get some sleep uh, soon. But as for us, uh, you know, be sure to check out our work on hook'em.com. Um, we are well in the basketball season. Obviously, Texas, Tom Herman will be speaking to the media this afternoon at 4 o'clock, so we'll have reaction to that. Um, you know, whenever Texas gets its bowl destination announced, we'll have, we'll have that on the website too. So be sure to check out hook'em.com for our words, Mike's words, and everything you need to know about the Longhorns. But we appreciate you uh, listening in to us today. Don't forget to shoot us a review at the Apple Store or in the Google Podcast app. We sure do appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in each week. We will be back next Thursday and enjoy your signing day. Peace.